Hey, what's going on, guys? My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins, and today we're going to talk a little bit about something that a lot of you have been talking about, and uh, I love if you're talking about it, I want to talk about it. And it has to do with an interesting little back and forth between two guys that I am very familiar with, and they're very familiar with me. Uh, their names are Dr. Umar Johnson and Mr. Kevin Samuels. And so we today on uh, Dr. Boyce uh, TV are going to talk about this back and forth. And uh, more importantly, I want to talk about you and what is good for the community and what isn't. So we're going to get started. Buckle up your seatbelt, hit the thumbs up button. We're going to get started on drboystv.com right now. Here we are, clan the isms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who late. Now, family, we the ones who got to delegate. Get that money in the power, never be fake. Stick to co-sign for three. What did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own. Educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees, triple ten. Three PhDs, now we on the CNN. DBTV, let's talk about negligence. Ignorance is bliss, but we can turn into intelligence. Believe none of what you hear, half of what you see. Let's break it down here on Dr. Boyce TV. Hey, what's going on, guys? My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. Welcome to DrBoyceTV.com. We are the home for intelligent black people. Now, um, I want to remind you that if you're not black and intelligent or don't want to be black and intelligent, you should probably just get the fuck out because this may not be the place for you. Uh, but if you are either black and intelligent or want to be more intelligent, then uh, put your hashtag B1 in the chat. Hashtag B1 is our calling card. Hashtag B1 means you put your community first. Hashtag B1 means that we can solve our own problems. Hashtag B1's, B1 means that we believe and we understand that we are the greatest community on the planet and capable of doing anything, not just anything a white man can do, but actually we can do more. So with that being said, um, how many of you, give me a yes or no, how many of you have, have sort of followed or paid attention to uh, th this interesting little uh, back and forth between uh, Umar Johnson and Kevin Samuels? I, I would say these two guys are probably among the most interesting black people on the internet right now. And, uh, and I, and I know these guys very well. They know me very well in the sense of like internet knowing people, you know, Umar, Umar has, uh, <laughs> Umar has hated my guts, uh, for a long time. Uh, I, I met Umar in 2013. Uh, I met him at a conference and I wanted to be friends with him. I, I said, okay, this guy, I've heard great things about him. He's a great speaker. He's one of the best speakers I've ever heard. And uh, I reached out a few times and it, it didn't work out. And uh, and then there was a, a weird misunderstanding that took place back in 2015, which I want to address. It's on the Internet. You can look it up. And uh, he became very upset with me. And uh, I wanted to get on the phone with him uh, where I come from. You know, I, I, I'm down with a lot of guys that I speak with. And sometimes we disagree. You know, Tariq Nasheed, um, Willie D. You've heard me talk about him a lot. David Banner, Charlemagne, the guy, guys like that. And one of the things that we tend to do is when we have a disagreement, we settle it over the phone. You know, we get on the phone and say, hey, man, I didn't like what you said, uh, et cetera. We don't really do that back and forth on the Internet so much. And so uh, with Umar, unfortunately, it, it, it just didn't go so well. And uh, and uh, the rest was history. And I'll, I'll, I'll give more of my honest assessment on that in a minute. Uh, now, with Kevin Samuels, I did not know Kevin until maybe about six, seven months ago. And I saw where he did the video where he told the lady, uh, unfortunately, it, it, it didn't come off so well, where he mentioned to the lady that she was going to die alone or something like that. And uh, that bothered me. That bothered me because I, I just can't imagine 
uh, what good can come out of telling somebody they're going to die alone, even if it's true. Even if it's true, I mean, a lot of y'all know people who are pretty fucked up, who pretty are pretty horrible people or make bad choices in relationships who might die alone. But I don't necessarily know if it's our job to tell them that they're going to do that. And so uh, anyway, we had a conversation about it. And uh, I, I think Kevin Samuels is actually a pretty logical guy. He comes off as a very smart guy. But uh, unfortunately, you know, what the reality is that people have different opinions. People have different perspectives. Right. And so there are there are reasons why. Kevin Samuels gets such a great audience on his uh, commentary because he's good at it. You know, his, his words are uh, they're very thought out, things like that. But then also it's OK, I think, to say you disagree, because um, remember, Kevin's not a therapist. Uh, Kevin may not be all the time anyway. That person who's going to tell you how to have a great relationship or how to overcome the pain and the trauma that comes with being black. Kevin might be the guy, though, who could tell you if you're a guy and you're trying to figure out how to get some ass. That shit. I mean, Kevin could probably tell you. They could tell you what, what to wear and how to talk and everything else. And Or if you're a woman trying to bag a guy who's making a bunch of money. Um, I think Kevin's advice actually is not completely off the mark. You know, when he talks about what men. I mean, I don't know. I'm a man that has money. And uh, sometimes Kevin will say something. I'll be like, OK, yeah, he's actually right. And uh, and so both of these guys are interesting to me because both of them are really, really talented. Um, I, I didn't know Kevin. Somebody, Andre Hatcher pointed out to me that uh, he said, yeah, but I said, yeah, this guy, Kevin Sanders. I said, what do you, you know anything about him? He said, yeah, he did a video about you. I said, he did. Oh, really? And I went back and I saw where maybe a year earlier uh, he had had a conversation about there was somebody that was talking crazy about me on the internet. I don't really address it uh, typically because you can't address every stupid idiot out here. And, uh, and Kevin actually made points where I was like, okay, this guy's not stupid. He's not a stupid man. And uh, with Umar, I would say, I felt, I've always felt like his strength is that he's a great orator. He knows how to like, he knows how to say it. He can say it. He can say it. He will repeat it. He will say it over and over. And then you'll get fired up. And when he talks, you want to hear it because you hear it. And then you hear it. And then the black man, the black woman and the black man, right? You know, he's got that preacher thing going, right? That real preacher cadence, you know, black pastors are the best speakers um, in the world. And Umar is a reflection of the mix between uh, if you think about what rappers and pastors do, pastors and rappers are kind of in the same profession where a lot of pastors will start sounding like rappers. And so Umar, when he speaks, he has this cadence that'll get you fired up and get you going. Um, He's one of the best speakers I've ever seen. And that's why, for example, Umar and I have both been on the breakfast club and sure I do. Okay. I I was on there about four times. Maybe I'll get five, four, 500,000 views, maybe six or 700,000. Umar will get like two million. He'll get like two million because black people tend to uh, respond to church. They would, you know, we respond to the rhythm, the cadence, you know, uh, you know, even if uh, even in hip hop, you know, if you break down a lot of hip hop songs, you'll notice a lot of hip hop songs are actually nursery rhymes, but they've just been gangsted out. They put a, a bass on some shit you heard when you were five years old and you're like, oh, I like that song. Well, why do you like it? Well, because it's the same shit you liked when you were in kindergarten, right? Like y'all gonna make me lose my mind. Up in here, up in here, right? Well, that's Mary had a little lamb, little lamb, little lamb, right? But you just put a DMX voice on it, then it suddenly becomes a great song, right? So it's not disrespecting, it's just something I've just kind of observed. So Umar has that on lock. Like, I think that he is, uh, like I said, I, I can't think of too many people that are better speakers than him. He's a great speaker, and uh, and, and Kevin is on to something, obviously, because a lot of people listen to him, and I and I and that's perfectly fine. I respect that. Now, here's what's interesting. So <clears throat> I was really thinking when I when I kind of saw that they were kind of going back and forth and I was a little bit surprised. You know, I saw Umar said some stuff about 
uh, Kevin's approach. And uh, I think he accused Kevin. I'm going to play a little video I just found on Essence where Umar was basically saying, I guess, claiming that Kevin is exploiting um, the pain of black women, that basically he's making money by attacking black women. Um, and uh, and I'm going to play that video and then I'm going to play what Kevin responded with. But then what I'm also going to do, more importantly, I, I really Umar and Kevin are the undercard in my view. The, the, the overcard is you. It is you as a community. And then I'll tell you what the community said. I took a survey. You know, I'm scientific. I'm a, I'm a statistician. So I was curious to see what is the, what does the black community feel about this? Um, you know, do people like this? Do you like to see 50 year old men going back and forth on the Internet? Or would you prefer that we find ways to work together? Um, and, and I tend to I would just say this based on what I've seen from you guys up to this point. Yeah, say something in the chat. Let me know. Uh, based on what I've seen to this point, most of you prefer it when we find a way to overcome our differences. You know, most of you like it when we unify as opposed to divide. Right. And uh, and so, you know, I, I hear that. I hear that. Right. That's why even when I'm getting tempted, you know, because somebody's out here talking crazy, saying some negative, ridiculous stuff. I remind myself, boy, you're, you're not you're not 25. You're not a teenager. You're not a rapper. You're not uh, you're not, you know, uh, thugnificent. You know, you're not, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, you're not you're not bootylicious. You know, you're not some guy who's supposed to be out here just fighting it out with people. People want you to build like everybody here tends to appreciate building energy as opposed to destruction. War is a very destructive energy. So uh, with that said, what I'm going to do so that actually just so you all know, I, that actually plays a part in whether or not I decide to respond to somebody, uh, you know, because a lot of times if somebody says something about you, and you don't like it. You're like, wait a minute, I'm going to go set the record straight. You mother. But unfortunately, really, what that is, is that's ego. That's ego stepping out. You have this ego like, how dare you say that about me? Right. You're thinking about how people are seeing you. And what I try to do is try to say, fuck what boys is, you know, what, what people think about boys. Right. Like, let that go. Stop that. Like, you know, you, you, you need to quit worrying about what people think about you because people are going to love you. Some people going to hate you. Some people might love you on Monday and hate you on Tuesday. What really matters is how you feel about yourself. And then when you can let that go, then you can really do your job. Right. And so a lot of times what the Internet does is really interesting is it creates a lot of really fast superstars and people. And I've seen it because I've helped people become famous on the internet. I've helped, I've watched the transformation of somebody like say, I don't like a Vicky Dillard, for example, I just love the death. I love, I really love Vicky. You can't, ain't, I ain't never going, you ain't never going to see me say nothing negative about Vicky. Um, but I saw Vicky go from a person that, you know, that not many people knew about to this person where everybody knows about her. And I, she became a more beautiful person as a result of that. Right. She's, she's more powerful. She's more capable. But then I've seen people, in a negative direction, right? Who became famous, who just kind of, it kind of went to their head. Like you, they became the center of the universe and everything else. And it's always me, me, me about me, me, me. And, um, and I could just tell you, like, you can't take that shit too seriously. You know, this internet fame is, um, is silly. It's, it's sometimes it's a little bit, it can be very toxic. The internet's a very toxic place. Even when I put up this title, even when I put up this image, I saw crazy comments coming in. And just so you know, I mean, you're wasting your time putting these comments up because, I don't, you know, I, I'm not really going to even pay attention to that. Right. I'll hear you, but I'm not going to take it to heart. Like, oh man, you hurt my feelings. Like, cause that's not what it's, it's about. Like if the question is, how do we use the internet as a tool to enhance people's lives? Right. Like what, what are you, when you walk away from this conversation, how is your life better? How are you a better person? How are you better able to get along with your woman? How are you better able to raise your kids? How are you better able to go out here and make some bread, you know, make some money so you can get ahead in this world. 
to me, that's better than just feeding black people what they really want a lot of times, which is entertainment. Uh, we like entertainment just because it feels good. It's another drug. It's no different from other drugs that we consume on a regular basis that kill us. Uh, uh, sugar, uh, you know, uh, regular dope, you know, that people take alcohol, right? Like, like there are people that consume this toxicity as if it's some form of um, like it's it's something to get you high. Right. So with that being said, let me go ahead and, um, and share this video. Do me a favor. Hit the thumbs up button. Hit the share button. Hit the subscribe button. If you haven't done it yet, please do that. And uh, let me let me play this. This is on Essence's website. I hope I hope you can hear the audio. Let me see here. So I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play what Umar had to say. And then I'm going to play what Kevin had to say. Then I'm actually going to share what you guys had to say, which to me, that's the most important voice of all. So here we go. Let me back this up. Black women, I count about a dozen. I'm going to call them the dirty dozen of division. The triple D, the dirty dozen of division. There's about 12 members of the dirty dozen of division, 12 beta males, YouTube life coaches who are trying to build a platform by making black women feel bad. I don't like it. I, I, I can't appreciate black men trying to make a dollar off of making black women feel bad. And unfortunately, our black women, some of them are so thirsty for validation that they're participating. They're participating in the attacks and slander against the black female community. And that's not acceptable. That's not acceptable. No black women should ever subject herself, even for amusement, even for amusement, even for amusement, the black. Okay. All right. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go down and play uh, the little clip from Kevin. So here we go. You mean Dr. Umar Johnson, the man who has two children, my two different women he never married. Dr. Umar Johnson, the guy that for the last 10 years has not built brick one of a school he's collected money from. Dr. Umar, hold on, hold on, ma'am. Dr. Umar Johnson, the man who calls you queen, mother, goddess, and all this other kind of stuff. And again, for those who keep the score, this is another woman who comes on and says, talk to us more like Umar. The Prince of Pan African. Big Papa's in the house. Run my donations. I mean, shout out to Umar. I got no problem with the dude, but I think it's funny. I keep coming up here asking everybody to talk like Umar. Queen Mother God. Cocoa Butter and Seamoss Gold and shit. Right? I mean, Dr. Umar Johnson. <laughs> that, that's, that's funny. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so so that that's what they both had to say. That was a little bit of it. I'm sure there's more out there on the internet if you want to look it up. Um, what I thought was really interesting was, uh, and it looked like from what y'all, what some of you were saying in the chat, it looks like Umar was maybe responding to Kevin. So maybe Kevin said something first about Umar, vice versa. One thing I can say is that Umar is super sensitive. Um, yeah, I don't mention his name very often because every time I do, he gets very upset. He's been getting very upset for a really long time. And, uh, and I've, I've told you guys what I think about the school. Um, I get, I gave a little bit of money to the school. It was like $25. Uh, but I honestly, between you and I, I don't have a lot of faith that that school is going to get built. Uh, I've seen zero evidence to say it's going to get done. Uh, and um, and also, I think that Umar hurt himself a lot when he would get into real interesting 
crazy situations like you know the stuff with the stripper uh the stuff with um where he was beefing with uh sarah soon i guess who i'd never even heard of until umar spent the whole video talking about him some of that stuff i think distracts from the fact that umar if you really listen to him he has some good information some good knowledge but sometimes things will happen that you can't forget. Now, again, I, I speak to intelligent black people. I'm not in the same demographic with everybody, right? I have a, I have my own perspective, my own angle, and there are people that get that, right? And then there are some people who don't get it because uh, they're more maybe into the emotionality of it all. And sometimes emotions don't care about facts. Emotions don't care about logic. Emotions don't care about data. That's why the people that tend to hear what I have to say are, and it's, I think it's the minority of the black community, to be honest with you. They tend to be strategic. They tend to be logical. They tend to sort of look at and observe the facts and information. Also, the people that are in this space tend to be more balanced to say, OK, I can appreciate some of what you said, but this part I don't like. And I can appreciate some of what you said, but I don't like that part. Whereas you have some people that just want a demagogue. Uh, some people I uh, like it when a guy goes out and says, I'm King Kong consciousness. I'm the greatest ever. I'm the I'm the Superman. I'm the I'm the alpha and the omega. I'm the new Marcus Garvey. I'm most I'm the, the most amazing, most highly sought out scholar in the world. And, you know, and things like that. And I, I don't that's not my style. Right. Um, it's not to attack his style, per se. If that's what people like, then that's OK. Uh, but I really think that you may want to those of you who really want to do what's best for the community in terms of creating solid, structured leadership that can actually get things done. You may want to just look at results. You know, like so, for example, if you say I'm going to build a school and, and, and you raise a bunch of money and you've been doing it for years, there are people who say, OK, where's the school? Right. You know, Lord Jamar, shout out to him. Uh, I was on his platform and he brought up Umar and I was like, oh, man, you know, the guy sent me. He's going he's to get real mad if I even say his name. But Lord Jamar interviewed Umar and I want you all to go look it up. It's really interesting. And he asked him very logical questions about that school. And he gave him really helpful advice and said, hey, I got an uncle who built a school with very little money. And here's what he did. And it didn't seem that Umar wanted to hear that. And you know, and again, I don't know. Maybe one day Umar will will hear this. Um, I don't think he will, uh, because unfortunately, a man's ego can be his greatest downfall. And that's what I encourage young brothers to understand. If you get successful, you start making a little bit of money, or you get, you know, maybe you get a little fame, or you know, all the women are chasing you, or whatever. You can't let that go too far to your head. You have to understand that you're really here to serve other people. You're not better than the people that you serve, you know. So, um, again, so I've never I've never identified with that aspect of the black community that responds to a man standing up over everyone and telling you how he's better than you. You know, when Jay-Z and Kanye had that song and they were rapping like, you know, I think they were saying, do, do you see the private jets flying over you? And I'm like, why the fuck would I care that you got a private jet flying over me? Like that tells me you're not relating to me at all. You're not part of my struggle. Like you're telling me how rich you are in the middle of economic despair. Well, that doesn't make you my friend. I don't understand that. Right. Um, and so, uh, again, nobody's perfect. Right. Everybody's got things you can critique. But I would almost say that um, that I think that in our community, one of our biggest weaknesses, the reason that our leadership has never really been very successful is because if you look at you know the history of it all, we tend to have one guy who is like the man who is literally like we worship him like he's a God. And he is the center of of everything we believe in terms of leadership. He can do no wrong. Uh, we you know, it's, it becomes very cult like. And what happens is white people peep that out and they say, OK, if we take down that guy, if we kill him, if we kill that guy, 
if we slander that guy, then the whole movement will die. Right. And, and so I'm more of a believer in um, structured leadership. You know, like I, I tell you guys, you know, Dr. Claude Anderson came in here the other day and he was saying, Dr. Boyce should be your leader. You want Dr. Boyce to be a leader. And I'm like, I appreciate that. But no, thank you. Right. Because I, I already know I have influence. I already know this. Right. You know, I'm not stupid. Right? I have a Ph.D. I know I am smart enough to know that I influence you. But I'd rather us lead by committee, because if we lead by committee, like if I if you acknowledge me and say, OK, Dr. Boyce, you're leading your space and I acknowledge you and say, OK, uh, Vel the scholar, you're leading your uh, your household. King King Maya, you're leading your children. Uh, you know, Malika Brown, you're leading uh, your little space, your community. Then we can all lead together. And then that way they can't take out the whole movement by taking out one person. You understand? So I personally will say, again, this is my preference. This is not uh, me saying that Umar is wrong, but I really um, I don't necessarily know how much the community can progress when we're all thinking that one guy building one school is going to be the solution. Uh, white people don't have leadership that runs like that. White people tend to uh, they tend to be industrialized and systematic in their leadership. White supremacy is a system. You cannot defeat a system with a person. One person cannot defeat an entire system. So what white people, the way white people won World War II, for example, is they had uh, you know hundreds of corporations all working together to produce millions and millions of bullets, uh, you know ships, tanks, guns, and airplanes, and everything they needed to win that war. So so by being systematic and incredibly productive across the board, that's how they were able to win the war. So we don't need one school. I know everybody gets caught up in the symbolism and the excitement of one school. You don't need one school. What you need is you need you need 5000 schools. Uh, You don't need one leader. What you need is you need about uh, a million leaders. Uh, You you don't need one super soldier. You need an army. That's how you win wars. And and that's the reason why a lot of people that follow this platform tend to be veterans and soldiers, because veterans and soldiers get that. They understand the need for boots on the ground, right? So with that being said, uh, do me a favor. Hit the thumbs up button, hit the share button, hit subscribe button if you haven't done it yet. Uh, please do that. Uh, and so let's let's talk a little bit more specifically about Kevin and uh, Umar and this whole thing. So I, I used the word beef earlier. Some people don't like the word beef. So fuck it. We'll call it something else. But I did a survey on Twitter, and I'm going to share the screen, actually, so you guys can see the survey. And uh, my Twitter is uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins and the number one. So feel free to follow me on Twitter. Please follow me on Twitter. I need intelligent people following me. I don't like stupid people following me because stupid people don't know how to think. They just know how to get caught up in their feelings and all that shit. So um, here's what I asked on Twitter. I said, what do you think about the back and forth between Umar Johnson and Kevin Samuels? Is it good or bad for the community? Uh, 24% of you said good for the community. 39.4% of you said bad. 36.5% 36.5% of you said not sure. So that's so it's pretty divided. It's pretty divided. Um, I'm going to say that I don't think it's good for the community. Um, and the reason I don't think is I think it's good. And in, in, here's how here's where it's good. And here's where it's not good. It's good because it's entertainment. Everybody likes entertainment. Everybody likes the big brawl. You know, like like when you were a little kid. And you, they, you, somebody would say, they out there fighting y'all. And everybody would run to the fight, right? Or everybody's talking about the fight all day at school. Anybody remember that? Where there was a big fight that was going to happen at the end of school and everybody was like getting ready for the school, for the fight, like you could have sold tickets, right? And, and, and it's good in the sense like entertainment is good. We always love the fight. We always love the entertainment. That's why ver- the versus is such a big deal because everybody likes to see powerhouses go up against each other. The reason that it's not so good is because um, whenever there's a fight, you're not seeing 
uh, construction. You're not seeing productive behavior. You're seeing destruction. You're seeing you're literally um, participating and 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 celebrating the very um, savage act of two human beings seeking to destroy each other, right? And, and so, so me wanting to see a fight and cheering on the fight, 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 fight. That is my my way of sort of selfishly indulging in the act of watching one person destroy another, like boxing. Like I mean, and I ain't gonna lie, I love, I like, I like boxing. I like football. Right. I love watching a football game. You know, I, I, you know, it's kind of interesting to watch like when the, the quarterback throws to the wide receiver across the middle and he gets cracked by the defensive back. Like, I ain't gonna lie. I, it's, it's like, whoa, right. You get that part of you that comes out, but that's not necessarily the best of you. Right. And, and, and so uh, I'm going to say that the, the part that's not so good is when you have um, two powerhouses that battle each other and, and they, and then you say, okay, the winner is the one who destroys the other one the most, then what you're doing is you're losing the fact that if those two men were working together to create something positive, they could probably do something extraordinary. Like if, uh, if Umar and Kevin got together and said, okay, let's have a debate, but let's make it a healthy debate. We're going to do it for charity though. We're going to charge people money to see this debate. And we're going to take all this money and we're going to build that damn school, right? Imagine this. Give me, give me, do you, do you get what I'm saying? Give me a yes in the chat if you get what I'm saying. I know some people ain't going to get it. I'm not even, I mean, I'm looking at the comments, but I see, I see the little assholes in there just trying to make little nasty remarks or whatever. Get your little wimpy butt out here. You little beta male, you moist walking. Well, your ass is moist. If you're sitting on some man's chat making little nasty comments like a little, little, little wimp, like get out of here, man. Just go do something else. Go be a man. Go do something. Take care of your goddamn kids, man. Why are you even here, brother? Seriously. So anyway, the point is, that that imagine this. Imagine if Umar and Kevin got together and said, um, "Let's use our leverage, and then let's call up some other brothers that want to be constructive. Let's call up Boyce Watkins. Boy, Boyce, I, I'll get on the phone with either one of these guys in a minute if they were trying to do something constructive. If they want to do something constructive, I'd be like, "Yeah, sure," and I'll put my money where my mouth is. People will tell you that. I don't talk about it, but I've I've written checks. I've helped to put money in the pocket of Tariq Nasheed. I have put money in the pocket of Dr. Claude Anderson. They will be. They will tell you this. I have put money in the pocket of uh, of who's another one of the brother that did uh, uh, the Sinetta, Sinetta, Sinetta Awards. He reached out and wanted a donation for his award ceremony. I wrote a check for that. Right. Uh, it, you know, so so the I, the point is Ice Cube and I have worked together to give away copies of Powernomics to the community. Right. So if, if you want to do something constructive. Then, then, then I'm on, I'm on board. Sign me up, right? Lord Jamar, I'm sure he would jump in. I'm sure David Banner would participate, right? And 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 so I I would say that um that if if these guys were working together to create something, I think that would probably be better for the community than if they simply get you know get together to destroy each other, right? And uh, and so I'm I, you know, but again, you know, it's entertainment, right? Who am I to argue with that? Black people actually love entertainment more than any other group of people. Uh, did you know Nielsen wrote a study where they basically said black people love entertainment? They told white people, they said that if you want to sell your products to black people, all you got to do is um, two things. You got to um, uh, put it, get a celebrity to endorse it because black people worship celebrities. Again, we worship that guy who sits up and says, I'm better than you. Right. Which re really is a reflection of your low self-esteem by the way, because um, you, you believe anything a celebrity says. That's what, so that's why a lot of celebrities are paid money 
to take your movements, your your grassroots movements, and drive them off a cliff. That's why you have celebrities being paid money to go on Instagram and say, hey, I just went and got my Moderna shot today, right? That's why you have celebrities that will go out and tell you to vote for a politician and then get mad at you when you say, well, what is that politician going to do for me, right? And so the other thing that they were there was uh, that was in there was they said black people consume more television and more entertainment than any other group of people in America. And why is that? Well, that's because entertainment, just like all other endorphin releasing activities, anything that releases endorphins that makes you feel good is a is a drug. So whether you're talking about heroin or sex or alcohol or entertainment, it's all designed to release the endorphins to numb you from the discomfort of being black, to numb you from the day-to-day trauma that you're enduring as a person who's experienced white supremacy. It's designed to numb you in a way, in the same way a pimp wants to get a hooker to be high when he puts her out there on the street corner, right? Because when you are high, when you are numb, when you are doped up, you're not going to ask no questions. You're not, your critical thinking skills have gone out the window. You have almost zero ability to think long-term because all you're thinking about is the specific pleasure-seeking behavior that lies in front of you. So the two greatest pleasure-seeking behaviors that exist are either witnessing of sex or the witnessing of violence. There's something about watching the either the whether sex is the creation of human life, violence is the ending of human life. So there's something about the end and the beginning that fascinates us. There's something about a man watching uh, two people fucking that just gets him going. There's something about, you know, watching a one man kill another that makes us all want to click on that video, right? And these are all these carnal instincts that you have as human beings. And what I'm simply asking you to do is try to elevate a little bit, elevate a little bit, right? The, uh, Professor Ken Sapolsky at Stanford University explained that the human brain is very similar to the brain of an animal, that we are just like animals. The only difference between our brain and an animal brain is 5%. We have a 5% little region called the prefrontal cortex, which is the part that allows you to engage in logical, structured thinking. It's the part of your brain that allows you to make long-term plans. A dog cannot make long-term plans. A dog lives moment to moment. A dog lives based on instinct. So a dog doesn't have that prefrontal cortex. If you give a dog a week's worth of food, that dog will eat seven days worth of food in one day and then starve for the rest of the week. And so if you look at where a lot of our people are mentally, that part of the brain isn't always being used. Actually, their studies show that entertainment, watching too much TV reduces, it it weakens that part of your brain that engages in logical, strategic, long-term thinking and and, and, and makes you into a person who's basically living based on instant gratification. So give me a yes or no. How many people do you know who, who live in the moment and ruin their lives in the process and then spend the rest of their lives whining about the bad choices they made when they were young. How many guys you know that can't walk away from a big button and a smile, but then they spend their whole life in child support court with STDs and an empty bank account? How many of you know a black woman that got three, four babies, daddies that she can't stand, but was not thinking about any of that when she met those men and decided to let those men into her vagina, into her bedroom and around her children, right? How many of you know folks who are flat broke for the rest of their life because whenever they got a penny in their bank account, they didn't they didn't want to invest. They didn't make a plan for the future. It was all about partying at night, going to the club, buying the liquor, buying the Jordans, looking fly that day, et cetera, right? All of those behaviors are lower level, lower vibration, if you want to call it that. Alicia's in the metaphysics. This is what you might call your low vibration activity 
that can get in the way of you actually living your best life and achieving the purpose that God put you on this planet for, right? God put you on this earth to elevate. He didn't put you on this earth to denigrate, right? He put you, uh, so, so the guilty pleasures are natural. We all have them. Everybody loves sex. Everybody loves to watch violence on some level. Most of us do. Uh, most of us love uh, all the things that make us feel good from sugar to some types of drugs and alcohol, right? But then there is a point where you have to understand that important word called moderation. If you want to know how my philosophy on life, the Dr. Boyd's philosophy on a lot of this stuff really is very basic. I don't judge anything that you do. I understand it. I connect to it. But at the end of the day, if you don't have moderation, then your whole entire life will be a big ball of shit, right? If all you do is you spend your life doing one thing after another that makes you feel good, then you will never grow. And, and so so when, when you talk about, for example, let's go back to Umar and, Ke- and, uh, and Kevin Samuels, because I think this is an interesting point here. Do me a favor. Hit the thumbs up button. Hit the thumbs up. Share, subscribe button if you haven't done it yet. And I'm not here denigrating either one of these guys because I can I appreciate their talent, actually. I told you, Umar is the greatest speaker I can think of right now. He's he's an amazing orator. That's why people were so sad to see him when he gets distracted and goes in these other spaces that they can't relate to. It's because, man, this guy is such a great speaker and he's, he's he knows a lot of stuff. But then every now and then something will come out and you're like, what is this? Like, I don't get this. Right. Kevin Samuels is a guy where I would say there's a reason that a billion people watch his YouTube channel. The brother's good at what he does. Also, he's good. And when I say he's good at what he does, maybe you should, maybe we can define more narrowly what he does exactly, right? He's not a relationship therapist. That's that's important for a lot of people to understand. If you're trying to figure out how to have a good relationship with a black woman, first of all, you got to listen to black women and and what they need. But then also, um, there are professionals out here that have licenses and shit that can break down tools that you can use to make your relationship better. Um, a, 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 a YouTube personality may not be the best way for you to figure out how to get along with your husband or your wife. That's it. I mean, that, that's simple shit. That's some basic, that's a basic idea. But I feel the need to say that because I don't think people always understand that. And I would say, so for young people who are watching this, um, if I was trying to figure out how to get a woman's attention, um, I think Kevin's really good at that. I think Kevin, and also Kevin is not, he's not a stupid man. He's very logical. Like I listened to his, part of his video. I didn't get to hear the whole video he did about me. I listened to maybe about five minutes of it and he was making points that told me, I said, okay, this guy's not stupid. He's actually, he's really saying exactly what I think I wish people would actually understand. Right. And that, you know, but, but then there's that point where um, you have to know how to chew the meat and spit out the fat. So, so when you get to that point where, uh, I, you know, you're expressing the natural frustration that a lot of men have. But this, this is one thing y'all got to understand. A lot of people don't listen to black men. A lot of people don't listen to black men. Everybody on earth is attacking black men in terms of saying black men are the reason that kids grow up without daddies. Black men are the reason black women are traumatized. A black men, this black men, that. And, and when black men step up and say, no, this is how we feel. This is what's going on with us. A lot of people don't want to hear that. So I see Kevin as a guy who, when he does, when he's at his best, when he's at his best, we're not going to talk about some of the other stuff now, when he goes a little overboard, but when he's at his best, I think a lot, I see a lot of men who listen because they're like, man, finally, this guy is having publicly the conversations that we have in private. A lot of fellas get together, like I'm getting married on the 21st of this month to a beautiful black woman with a PhD. And I'm going to tell you like this, when I get with my friends, my brothers that are my groomsmen, we're going to have conversations in that room 
that women would probably not even understand. Willie D is one of my one of my uh, groomsmen. And when me and Willie talk and we talk about relationships and everything else, we will probably say some things that women would not get or understand at all. Right. But so, so there's a space for that. There's a space for that. But I think that when you talk about what black women feel, um, when I think about black women, you know what I think about? The word that comes to mind, honestly, is pain. It is pain. Uh, I, I think there's so much pain that I see black women go through. You know, uh, Vicki Dilla made that point when she talked about all the different ways black women have to hold it down in ways that they should never have to hold it down. Um, and, and, you know, it, when, when, you know when, when you talk about what black women have gone through in this country since slavery um, and the way they've handled it, I really think it's important to take the time to listen and, and get out of your own feelings and really listen so you can understand that sometimes people have a reaction to things that may not make sense to you, but you'll never understand it if you don't understand how they came to that conclusion. You know, if, you know, if she's running the household in a certain way, I think it's very important to understand how the household even got to the point where she had to make the choices that she had to make. Right. And so so what comes out of that, especially when you think about this, right, you live in a country where 76 percent of black children grow up without a father in the house. So 76% of black women didn't even have their daddy in the house. And I don't care what you say about, you know, well, yeah, father can be just as effective if he's not in the house. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. My dad was, there was a difference between having a father that lives down the street versus having a daddy that's waking you up every morning and sitting at the table with you for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and telling you what to do on a consistent, regular basis. I, I had, you know, if, if my father was like, oh, well, I'm going to just be down the block. You could see me once every two weeks. It wouldn't have had the same effect on me. You know, and so when I think about the way fatherlessness, or if you want to call it, or not having a father in the home, let's, let's say it like that, affects black women. I imagine this, imagine this with me. Imagine what the country would be like if 76% of all black men grew up without a mother. Think about what that would do to me. I know a few men. Does anybody ever, anybody ever know a man who didn't have a mama or maybe his mama was on crack or his mama abandoned him like DMX? His mama took him to a boy's home and then said, we're going to go visit, baby. We're just going to go visit. And then she left him there. Right. Do you see what happened to DMX? Do you see how his life proceeded, you know, after having that ultimate disappointment from his mother? And this was after his father was not around at all. His father wanted to, his mother to abort him. Right. So he wasn't one about his mother or his father. And you see what his life became. Right. So. So when I think about that, I, I, I think I encourage you a good way to kind of understand it is to flip it. Imagine if most black men did not have a mother. Think about how important and irreplaceable your mother was. Those of you who were fortunate enough to have a mother. Like, imagine, give me a yes or no. Could you even imagine replacing mama? Is there any replacement? How fucked up would you be if mama was never there? Right. It, 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 w- it would really mess with you. Right. So I don't understand why people can they can understand it when I say when I say imagine not having a mother, how devastating that would be. They get that. But when we talk about the father, everybody act like it don't matter. Everybody acts like the father is just optional, like it's not a big deal. No, the daddy is a very big deal. And I can say this as a daddy myself. I raised girls in this house and there are things that they, the little 10 year old, I went up and I gave her a hug and I was like, Hey, I love you. Right. And she said, your stubble, your stubble is cutting my face. And I said, that's what daddies do. Our stubble just, that's the stubble of love. Right. And that was like a little joke, but 
but that's actually something she's going to remember. Like, so, so when she gets older and she's around a man and she gives him a hug and she feels his stubble, it's going to remind her of when her father hugged her when she was little and his stubble hit her forehead, right? And that's just one tiny example, but those little things make a difference. Those little things matter, right? Those things matter. So, so, so let's get, so when you get back to this whole thing with Umar and Kevin, what I'm really saying is you got to realize that you got to be real careful because you are talking to a community that is filled with pain and trauma. There is so much pain and trauma out here. And so what, what I would probably say to Kevin, and I reached out to Andre Hatchett and I said, you know, Ke- tell Kevin he can come on the podcast. I'd like to hear his point of view. I don't want him to think we over here trying to talk bad about him or nothing because that wasn't the goal. Right. Uh, I'd like I, I believe in letting the black man talk, like let him give his point of view. And uh, it never happened. It never happened. But what I would probably say to him if we talked is I would say, you know, maybe take some time and really try to empathize, like without giving up your perspective, without letting it go. This is something I actually learned from a therapist. This is so again, I'm telling you all, if you really want to be a better black person, get some therapy, get get a professional that can help you. Therapists are good at helping you see your own bullshit uh, in terms of how it shaped who you are. Also, therapists are really good at helping you figure out how to get along with another person. I told you guys how important relationships are for business, how important relationships are for success in life, how important relationships are for making money. If you have the right relationships, it's easy to make money. If you have no relationships or bad relationships, it would destroy your money or keep you away from the money. But if you have good relationships and people know you and love you and love having you around, then It'll be easy for you to make money. I'm telling you, I, I, I kid you not. So so when you, so therapists are good for that. And and one thing about that is I, I, I would say that this is something and I don't know, maybe, you know, Kevin's a smart guy. Maybe he already knows this. I hope you'll consider this is that there's been there's value to hearing another point of view and allowing yourself to truly appreciate the other person's perspective, right? Like, so, um, for example, there was a book I read by a lady named Dr. Barbara DeAngelis called What Women Want Men to Know. And it was completely written from a woman's perspective. And she gave, she interviewed thousands of women and laid it all out there. And, And it really highlighted to me how different men and women are, how we are just not the same. Vicki Diller was pointing this out. We are not the same. Right. We I mean, we don't don't get into that bullshit. I know white liberals want to tell you that gender is a figment of your imagination, all that other nonsense. No, we are not the same. And and and, and so so one of the things that therapists would tell you is when you hear a point of view that differs from your own, you know, don't do what everybody else is doing and say, oh, you're just stupid and shut up and be quiet or whatever. Like, stop and try to appreciate their perspective. Like try to really stand in their shoes and say, okay, I can see how you could feel that way. And then here's how I feel. And that's really how you do it. This is actually a good game and good information for those of you that don't understand how to communicate with your partner. Uh, in fact, they have something. You should look this up. It's called the four horsemen of an argument. The four horsemen you should avoid when it comes to how you debate or argue with your partner. The four horsemen were, um, cause I, I learned this shit, right? Cause I had, you know, I mean, you know, we, our relationship ain't perfect. We, we go back, we, we're both two professors that are know-it-alls and we love that we lecture. We're used to lecturing. So Alicia and I, sometimes we'll, we'll start going back and forth and it ain't, it ain't always easy. And I learned the four horsemen are criticism, 
uh, you, you, when you talk about how you feel, you should use I statements and not you statements. So if you are expressing criticism at your partner, they're not going to hear you. They're, they're um, what do they call it? Their emotional level is going to elevate to the point where they can't hear a word that you're saying. The other one is contempt. Uh, if you express contempt toward a person, like talk down on them, that kind of thing, then that's not going to work either. People are not going to hear you if you're talking down on them. In fact, people that are victim subject to contempt from their partner they actually die earlier. So if you're getting consistent contempt from your partner, you may want to see a therapist or get a new partner, to be honest with you. Uh, the other two is um, defensiveness, like always defending yourself. Like like you, they say something and you immediately defend yourself. Like that was something I, that was, that was actually something, that's something I still have to work on sometimes is when you attack me, my first response is to defend, but I'm learning how to not do that, right? Uh, and then the last one is... Um, Stonewalling, stonewalling, like, oh, shut up. Don't nobody want to hear what you got to say. Like, get, get out of here with that bullshit woman. Like that kind of behavior, that mm, that does not work. So look up the four horsemen. And again, this is why I mean, I wanted to, to address this whole conversation because I think it's an important discussion, right? I think that, it, but I think that the thing about this Kevin Samuels and Umar Johnson thing is that the most important part of this discussion is not Kevin Samuels and it's not Umar Johnson. It is, it's, it's the community. It's all of us in saying, what does this represent? This epic back and forth kind of represents something that the energy that we see all throughout the community where there are black men who are frustrated with their interactions with women. And there are black women who are frustrated with their interactions with men. And I can tell you as a black man who has tried to be a good black man, right? I'm I'm marrying a black woman. I told y'all years ago, even before I was, um, I started dating Alicia. I said, I don't know if I'm gonna get married. Y'all ain't gonna make me do it. But if I get married, I will marry a black woman. I will not accidentally marry, you know, say, oh, I just fell in love with Becky or, or, you know, I've I've always lived my life with intentionality, right? You will never hear me say I slipped and fell and landed inside a woman's vagina, right? That, that, that's, not how I've lived my life, right? So, uh, th- so it was with intention that I chose to marry a black woman, and also I didn't take the easy route. I I, I met a lot of women who uh, who literally were at my feet, right? Literally, I mean, when I became more well known and I was traveling all over the globe, meeting beautiful women in in London and all over the world. Um, I met a lot of women who probably would have just gone along with the Boyce Watkins program no matter what. Um, I chose a different route. I said, you know, I actually think I want to marry a woman who's super smart, who's successful in her own right. And uh, and that's hard. That that takes work for a man because, because sometimes men, when we get powerful, we want to be the boss all the time. We want to be the king of everything, you know? And so when you are in a relationship with someone who has her own mind, her own career, her own trajectory, whether you there or not, um, it requires you to have the ability to humble yourself, right? And uh, and so so I would say to anybody that's making that decision, just be clear, like choose what works for you. But I I think that this it, it, honestly, when I be when I'm honest with you guys, I think that it was done in a way to kind of say, I think it's unfair that we live in a world where there are so many black women who feel that they get penalized for being high achievers, right? When, you know, it's always bothered me when I would see women that would have to dumb themselves down in order to fit underneath a man's ego. You know, when you got some man who's tiny, uh, who's not comfortable with who he is, who just feels like I got to always take the lead, even if even if I'm the dumbest person in the room, I don't know what the fuck to do next. But I, because I have a penis, I'm supposed to always be in charge and I'm always supposed to know all the answers. I think that's 
to some extent, I think there are people that will yield to that. Like there is a masculinity or masculine benefit that you have where, you know, like when I get married to Alicia, when we come out, the wedding planner said, you're going to be Mr. and Mrs. Boyce Watkins. I said, okay, that's fine. You know, and I, but we talked about that, right? I said, okay, because I'm Dr. Watkins. You're going to be Dr. Watkins. Is that the right way to kind of announce that, right? But I think that for men, what we have to really understand as well, and this is really for the good men, the quality men, you're like, because you got, you got some bullshit out here, man. You got rappers rapping to you about literally being the, the lowest low life piece of shit you could possibly be. And there are a lot of men who adapted it. There are a lot of men who think that you should have power without accountability, right? A lot of men who think that because just because you're the man, you're supposed to be the leader. And they don't understand that you got to pay the cost to be the boss in order for you to be the boss. There have to be leadership skills that are instilled in you that make you worthy of that level of leadership. And this and, and, and this is one of those complex things because you can't necessarily blame men even when they fall short of that because a lot of men were never taught how to lead by man. They didn't even have a man in the house. So the, the, man, the replacement became, you know, their favorite rapper, right? So you sitting here and you listening to somebody, some, some motherfucker like 50 Cent to teach you what manhood really looks like. And he got you thinking manhood means big muscles and a gun and a bunch of money and some holes around at all times. And so and some dope and liquor and weed in the back. Right. <laughs> like, like that's like, not, that's not, the, he's not giving you the whole picture, right? He's giving you a false image of manhood. Right. And so, so the women, you know, when I hear women say, Oh, black men ain't shit. Black men is, I'm like, no, no, you also fell into the same trap because you're you're worshiping and idolizing the men who don't represent manhood based on where I come from. You know, that, like like where I come from, that guy, that irresponsible rapper with 18 babies mamas, that's not a man. That's that's the kind of guy who was probably not raised by a man because if he was raised by a father, a real father, a solid man, a solid dude, his father would sit him down and say, son, what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? That's your child. You're supposed to be taking care of your baby. Like, what are you doing? Like, that's your woman. You're supposed to be able to protect your woman. You're supposed to provide. Like, what are you doing sitting on the couch, right? Like, so so I'm just trying to tell you that in this society where we kind of have this weird pleasure-seeking thing going on, I see a lot of guys that kind of want all the power that comes with being the man, but don't really understand that there is another layer of accountability that comes with being the king. If you're the king, okay, okay of course, as the king, you get to eat first. Um, you have a certain amount of power. You have a certain amount of leverage in the room because you are the king. But when the kingdom is under attack, the king is supposed to be the first one on the fucking front line ready to fight. Right. And, and some of y'all want to be the king, but you ain't ready to fight. You you sit here. You you will sit here. I will hear guys tell me that they can't take care of their kids because the white man ain't hiring. And I'm like, that's not what a king's supposed to say. <laughs> the king is supposed to say, I'm going to take care of mine by any means necessary. Right. Like, you know, or, or guys who will think that manhood means like drinking and smoking and fucking all the time. And they don't understand that manhood also requires a degree of discipline so that you're not always out of your mind or knee deep in some random woman's vagina spreading your seed everywhere to the point where you can get caught up in some really horrible situations. I mean, do you know how many black men I know 
who are doing 20, 30 years in prison because of things they did while they were high or while they were drunk. And seriously, I mean, you know, and, and, and it makes me feel bad for them. It really does, because I don't think they understand all that comes with manhood. And, and I don't think the women get it either. A lot of, a lot of women don't get it either. Like, I, I really, really think that, again, just going back to be more specific on ways to really prepare yourself and improve yourself. I think you got to understand that in our community, you kind of have a divide. You've got the people that want to be healthy, that want to be better. And then you've got the people that just fall for the okie doke, that fall for the bullshit that's fed to you through mainstream media. And what happens is that the two groups blend sometimes. Sometimes a, a quality woman will link with a, a, a low quality man and then she'll think all men are low quality men. Right. Or a quality man will link with a low quality woman. And then he'll think all women ain't, ain't shit. So next thing you know, he's gravitating toward platforms that debase and attack women. Like he's listening to a Tommy Sotomayor who thinks black women ain't shit because, because he's so mad and so bitter and so hurt by what that woman did to him, right? And so, so I would say it takes two levels of discernment. You have to have discernment about who you let into your life and you must have discernment about the person that you choose to become right? Two of those things, right? So the discernment about who you let into your life means I'm only going to let people in my life who have also accepted accountability on their end to become quality human beings. Like, like if I'm a man, I'm not going to go and wrap myself up in some bitter, nasty, evil, traumatized woman who is constantly on the attack or who constantly, who has no respect whatsoever for black men. I, I'm, I can't work with that, right? Um, but also as a man, I might expect to lead in certain ways. Sure. Absolutely. I think there are a lot of traditionalists in the community who believe the man should lead. I've seen that. I've seen times where the women that, I'm, that I might work with will step to the side and say, OK, Dr. Boyce, you take the lead. And I'll be like, OK, absolutely. Right. Um, and, 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 but, but, but you have to understand that leadership comes with a degree of accountability, that in order to lead, you really have to show that you are worthy of that leadership. You have to be um, the last line of defense. You have to come through for the people that are depending on you to lead. So, so a man who doesn't, uh, for example, who doesn't take care of his kids on any level, um, I don't really know how that fits into uh, any, any man that would consider himself to be worthy of leadership or a man who uh, is high and drunk all the time or lazy and doesn't want to work and build anything. Um, that doesn't make you worthy of leadership. That kind of makes you a pleasure seeker. You're, you're a pleasure. You're, you're kind of just going from one hole to the next, one liquor bottle to the next, and just kind of living that sort of life. And if you remember, let's just be, let's just keep it 100 right quick. You know, I, I peeped that out in my 20s when when I saw an interview with DMX. I went and I saw DMX do an interview, and I know everybody worships him again because we worship. Unfortunately, we worship a lot of the of the unhealthiness. Like I think you can really look up to DMX for being a great artist, one of the best of all time. But I don't think necessarily being a great artist should always translate to being a great human being. I know people are going to get mad at me for saying this, but I have to kind of because of, because you matter more than these celebrities. So I got to be honest with you about this. Right. So here's the way you can process the, the way we looked at, at the DMX thing. DMX makes great music. Therefore, because he's a celebrity and black people worship celebrities, we think he can do no wrong. We think that he's perfect. So then when um, his chickens come home to roost, when the consequences come rolling in for living a life that just wasn't um, 
you know, conducive of manhood. Uh, we don't look to, we don't look and see the, the, the trauma, the pain that his children have expressed about what it was like to have him as a father. We don't think about like, well, how much, you know, did, how much wealth did you leave these children? Did, did, were these children well protected during their life? Did, did they have, was their father available? We don't think about any of that. We see it as, oh, well, let's, well, DMX was, went through this stuff when he was a kid. That excuses all of this. So, so he's not, he's not a, he can't ever be a perpetrator of harm onto another person because he's a victim. Right. And so we, we, we get to this point. And this is where black women who stand by black men have to be real cautious about that balance between supporting us and holding us accountable. Right. Just like the same thing with women. I think we should support women, but I think women should also be held accountable. Right. And that's a delicate balance. This is why this platform is for intelligent black people, because unintelligent people aren't going to get this because they, they, they're going to get too emotional. But the, but but holding men accountable means you say to a DMX when he's 22 years, 23, 24, five, five years old, whatever, when he's becoming famous, you say, look, I know that what your mama did to you was terrible. What your daddy did was even more horrible because your daddy should have been there. It is up to you to make a decision. Now that you are old enough to articulate how this damage from childhood has affected you and your actions as an adult, you that also means that you are uh, you are alert and aware enough to address that, right? Because you're able to articulate. You ever see that? You ever seen somebody who can explain, like a grown up, who's doing, who's making bad choices, who can explain why terrible things that happened in their childhood are causing them to make bad choices now? Well, the reason I use drugs is because this happened when I was a kid. That's happened when I was a kid, right? To me, it seems to me that when you're at a point where you can articulate why you're making those bad choices, that also says to me that you're intelligent enough to articulate how you can make a decision to do something different, right? Like, okay, because I'm, I, I use drugs, my therapist, it helped me understand I use drugs because of what my mother did to me when I was a kid. So now I told my therapist that I want to be put in the rehab so that I can be a better person, right? And, and, and the thing is that that's a hard transition to make because we don't live in a world that encourages accountability. So what happened with DMX, this poor guy, and, I, and, I'm, I'm, and I, so I'm not, I'm not trying to tear down your hero or nothing. Just bear with me. Give me a yes or no if you're following what I'm saying. So what happened with DMX is we were both, DMX and I were both in our 20s. I never met him, but I watched an interview with him. And I swear to God, I remember in the interview, they asked him, they said, so what do you do while you're on tour? He said, you know, uh, smoke all day, fuck all night, Right. And like, like again, going back to pleasure-seeking behavior, right? Again, we we have a cult in hip hop. Some aspects of hip hop encourage nothing but pleasure-seeking behaviors, right? Sex, drugs, liquor, right? And, and then throwing money up or whatever, right? So I remember thinking in my twenties that that this was not consistent with what my father taught me, right? My father, he he smoked with the best of them, he drank with the best of them. My father used heroin in Vietnam. He talks about it. he came back from Vietnam with a heroin addiction. But one thing my father also explained to me growing up was that you can't be into all that shit and still be a solid guy. If you're if you're high and drunk all the time or running from one woman to the next, then your children are going to need you and you're not going to be available to those kids. Right? Like, and they're, and they're going to hate you for that. Right. So I remember reflecting on that when I heard DMX make that statement. So when so years later, when DMX is is dying, I mean, none of it surprised me. It wasn't like I thought he was going to live to be 85 years old. Um, And and I wasn't happy. I wasn't like, ha ha, I told you so. I, you know, no, I felt bad for him. But I also feel like we live in a world where sometimes we think that holding people accountable is 
criticism, right? And again, and that's where, and, and so when Kevin uh, Samuels is at his best and he's really giving you an honest, his honesty, his truth on how you can actually attract the right man or the right woman or that, or how you can do better. Cause I've seen him do it to men and women, by the way, it's not just anti-woman, right. Or anti-man or anything. He's just, he just kind of tells it like it is from his perspective, right? Some of that can be heard without saying, Oh, you're attacking me or you're criticizing me. But at the same time though, when you're dealing with somebody again, like the black community, which is full of trauma, full of pain, full of just horrible experiences, you have to have some degree of sympathy and empathy for what they've gone through so you can engage in the appropriate course of healing. That's why I say to every black person listening, anybody who's even gotten anything from what we said today is we must value therapy in our community. We need motherfucking therapy. I don't care how healthy you are. I don't care how wonderful your life is. A a good therapy will help make you a better person. Seriously, if you're looking for Mr. Wonderful and you want to make sure you can you know, make him into the best man he can be and make him love the shit out of you. Get some therapy so you can work through whatever little issues and hangups you may have so that when so that when he's there, you'll show up as the person you want to be. And I think this and the same thing is true with men. You know, we have we have our issues. We have our triggers and, and be an awareness of that allows you to not just find better relationships um, in romantically. It also helps you in things like business. You know, if you you'll be amazed how how much business doesn't happen in the black community because people are triggered. In fact, uh, I will use Kevin and Umar as an example. I Umar could probably make an extra ten million dollars a year if he wasn't so easily triggered. I would have been a person just like I told you. I put money in the pockets of Dr. Claude Anderson. I've helped Tariq Nasheed make money. I've, I've worked on stuff with all kinds of people, Willie D and David Ben, just all all kinds of Killer Mike. We we work together on all kinds of stuff. If, if if you would if you would not be triggered and would just kind of chill out and say, okay, let's work together, great things can happen that way. You know, that, that's, that's why I love working with the Nation of Islam. I love Dr. Wesley Muhammad. I love Nuri Muhammad. I love Vicki Dillard. I love Minister Farrakhan. Y'all know that. And what I, you know what I love about working with the nation? It, the number one thing I love about working with the nation, because I've heard everything. I've heard all the conspiracy theories and stuff with Malcolm and all. I, I, I hear all that, right? And, and I consume all that. I'm not going to make myself stupid in order to appreciate someone, right? You know what I love about the nation is they are the best reflection of family and masculinity that we have in our community. Like they are, they, and when they're at their best, right? Cause we know so everybody, ain't no, nobody's at their best all the time, but, but when they are really doing what they do at the level that they can do it, they reflect the beauty and the, and the power of masculinity and unity and community in a way that Everybody can learn from like, like you should be studying them in, in school. Like when you go to school and you go into when white people are teaching you about Edgar Allan Poe and how George Washington was a wonderful guy. No, you need to have your kids learning how the nation of Islam operates in a in a method that is built on um, uh, on development and building. They build together. Uh, they also have the ability to resolve conflicts and disputes to maintain healthy relationships with each other. So. So, it, it, you know, so, so, you know, with, with uh, Dr. Wesley Muhammad, if I was to say something crazy about Wesley, like I could do a whole diss video and be like, man, let me tell you why I can't stand Dr. Wesley Muhammad. That, let me tell you what that Negro did. Blah, blah, blah. I could do all of that. And the way he would respond to me would be 
in a way that was built on repair of that relationship. He would call me on the phone. He wouldn't get on YouTube and go make a diss video. He would call me on the phone and say, hey, brother, I just want to clear up the misunderstanding of what, what was going I heard, on. I heard the video, and it seems to me that that maybe we're not on the same page about this issue. Like, like you know, so there's a way you can handle these things. And and I want every, and, and for those of you that are smart enough to kind of try to hear what we're saying, I want you to learn that this is how you build a community. You, you want your men... To understand that manhood, in a lot of cases, means saying, okay, brother, let me get on the phone with you. Let's talk this out. Let's figure this out. Because all the people that we represent, you know, our audiences or our families, the community, all the men and women and children that are looking up to us, they need us to set an example, right? Uh, you know, I'm 50 years old. You're 50 years old. There are 28-year-olds that are watching us to see how we deal with each other. Um Let's show them something. Let's give them a lesson so that they can take this with them and become better people as a result of that. Right. And and, and that to me is uh, is not just important because it's important, but it's also important because it's away from the other energy that you sometimes see in the you on YouTube, which is me, me, me. I, I, I look at me, look at me, my brand. I'm special. I'm this. I'm that. Right. And, and so so I would say that um, when you're talking about all of this, you know, if you really want to talk about relationships, I mean, there's a lot of people that give relationship advice on the internet. I think, I also think it's okay to look at people's track records, right? Look at the track record. Okay. Have you ever, you know, you, you, you talk about what black women need to do. Have you married a black woman? If so, how long have you been married? There are plenty of relationship gurus who can say, look, see this black woman right here, been married to her for 20 years, right? Or see this black man right here. We, we, we work through our BS and this is how, this is why, how we got in front of you. I think those people are the ones to um, who have the most credibility because it's one thing for me to talk in theory about what it means uh, or, or what it means to be loyal to a black woman over a long period of time. But if I'm giving that theoretical construct, but you, but I can't show you examples of where I've committed my life to a black woman, then some would say that that's just talk, right? That some would say that that's just me saying something that is going to make you feel good so that maybe you will buy my book or you'll come to my speech or you'll, you know, support whatever I'm doing, right? So, so just know the difference between the two, you know, the, the ability to lay down with a woman or a man and have sex is not the same as actually saying that you dedicated 10 years of your life or 20 years of your life or 40 years of your life to another person. Those are whole different levels to this. So when I'm looking for good relationship advice, you know, I talk to, I talk to people like my parents, my father has dedicated his life to my mother since 1974. You can't fake that. You can't just, you know, talk your way around that. You can't do a what if, Right. And, and his credibility would not have been the same if he had done if he'd taken a different rat, route that a lot of men take. Right. My father was young. He was handsome. He, a lot of women liked him. He could have been a guy who said, you know what, I'm too young and too. There's too many options for me to settle down. So I'm just going to go and I'm going to tell I'm going to feed women a fairy tale and I'm going to go city to city. And all these women who fall in love with my fairy tale. I'm, a, I'm just going I'm to have the line of women trying to have sex with me because they're all they're all signing up for for this lottery ticket that I'm never, ever actually going to cash. Right. And, and so, so, so I think that, you know, those of you that are smart, I think you see through this. Um, I, it's okay. If, if, if all this is entertaining to you, um, I'm going to say, if you want my conclusion on this, I don't think any of us have it right. I don't think anybody know has the complete answer. And I also think that what's more important to you for you is not 
Kevin or Umar or even me. Like, I mean, we don't matter. You know, what matters is your life and the choices you make. And I'm just here to tell you the best thing I can share with you is that most of the information you get is just not that good. It's just not. It's not. It's it's entertainment, man. Like, like seriously, like people, these poor young kids, they, they watch stuff like love and hip hop. How the fuck is love and hip hop going to teach you have a relationship? Or do you really think that having that relationship with that guy who's, you know, this famous artist who's got a little bit of money on his pot in his pocket or whatever, like you really think that that's like the life you really want to have? No, no. You got to find yourself. Like a lot of people don't even know who they are. A lot of people don't even know what they want. And then not only do they not know who they are or what they want, they don't they have no clue how to go get it. So if I'm trying to figure out how to live my best life, if I'm trying to figure out how to be where I want to be, you know what I do? First, start with knowledge yourself. Who am I? What do I like? What do I want? And what do I need? When it came to women, I'll tell you, this is part of my journey, actually, is uh, hit the thumbs up button, by the way. Please hit the thumbs up button. Um, I, re- I noticed in my 20s that there were things I wanted <laughs> and then there were the things I needed. And I didn't want to go too far in one direction or the other. I had to, if I picked a woman, I had to want her, but I also need to be with a woman I needed, right? And it took time to kind of calibrate that and figure out that right balance. Uh, but then also figuring out um, not just who you are and what you want, but then figuring out how to get it, right? I, you know, I don't think anybody can help you have a good relationship by telling you that it should always be about you. Or telling you that every person who doesn't do what you want is is pathetic and can't meet your standard or whatever. Like, or you know, all the men that that walk away from you, that it's just because they're weak and they're this and that. People that tell you that, what happens is again, that goes back to pleasure-seeking behavior. They're 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 feeding your emotional energy that you're feeling good because they're telling you that that your uh, your outcomes are not your fault, but they're not helping you long term. Also, it's, uh, it feeds into this whole lack of accountability that I was talking about. A lot of people don't believe in accountability. So uh, a lot of people truly believe that their whole life is a mess because of what somebody else did, right? And I'm not telling you that's not the case. I'm not telling you other people don't play a part in this. But the minute you start letting go your ability to manage your own life is the day you start really pushing yourself toward depression. You start becoming depressed because the greatest linkage, this is scientifically proven, the greatest linkage between depression and, um, or, or, or the, the, sorry, the greatest pathway to depression is is a lack of power and influence in your own life. That They did this with rats. When they studied rats, they, they measured depression by the amount of serotonin in their brains. They found that when rats were put in a situation where they couldn't control their outcomes, where they felt that they had no impact on their destiny, that's when the rats became really, really sad. So a lot of our people are sad because you're rats. Your whole life, you've been raised to believe that nothing's your fault, uh, that you're, uh, that, that white people control your whole universe, that your choices don't matter, that you might as well not even make the right choice because it's going to end up bad anyway. And then you find yourself depressed because you feel no empowerment whatsoever. Like it's the exact opposite of black power. It is black powerlessness, right? So so what I would say to you is, is start with that that empowerment, like start understanding how powerful you are to change your life. Stop giving that power to other people. Stop giving it off to white people. Stop believing that somebody else is going to save you. Ain't nobody going to save you. Ain't no man going to save you from your bad relationship choices. Ain't no woman going to save you from your BS, right? At the end of the day, you must save yourself. And that comes from gaining the skill set necessary to make the choices that are going to give you a good life. That that's my two cents on this. Um, you know, as far as these two guys go, Umar and Kevin, I know we start off talking about Umar and Kevin, but to be honest with you, um, that became less interesting to me than to talk about you 
and your life. I want to I want to help you. I'm going to see you grow from this. And uh, and I'll say this, too. Um, I think with both these guys being 50 years old, uh, I would really hope that there, there can be a constructive way that they can express their difference. I don't have optimism that that's going to occur um, based on my perception. Uh, Kevin is very logical. You know, he's harsh, but he's logical. Right. Umar doesn't make a lot of sense to me, honestly. And so so uh, if in terms of who I would talk to uh, on my platform, I would rather talk to a Kevin uh, than to a Umar, because I don't think Umar can get past the emotionality of how he feels about me. Uh, but I have invited Umar on actually when, um, you know, Fly Nubian Queen, like I'm a part owner of Fly Nubian Queen and Vicky Dillard, when she interviewed Umar, asked me specifically, is it okay if I bring Dr. Umar on, Dr. Boyce? How do you feel about that? Are you okay with that? I said, fine, absolutely. He has a right to speak. I want to hear what he has to say. And then at the end of that interview, I was very disappointed because Umar went on the attack. He started attacking Vicky, and I just didn't think that was necessary, right? So if you want to know my honest to God opinion on it, that's how I feel. But at the end of the day, um, I can just tell you, don't get too caught up in this internet stuff, man. I mean, you know, there are people that have bad ideas. They just sound good sharing them. And there are people that because of the emotionality, because they like to hear bad ideas to a good beat or even hip hop, hip hop sometimes becomes genocide to a beat. We will literally dance to our own genocide. Like we will go along with an idea that is incredibly self-destructive. We will believe in something or someone that is uh, toxic, unhealthy, and, 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 and just very bad for the community. And I just encourage those of you who are smart, to rise above that and get away from that. Like literally just disconnect from all the bullshit and just move on with your life. Okay. So, so this is the last time I'm going to really talk about this issue. I thought it would be fun to talk about because I think these two guys actually are intriguing though. I think they're very interesting to watch. I was observing it. Uh, but at the end of the day, I want to see you do better in your life. Okay. So do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button, share button, subscribe button. Also, if you want some resources from us for free, you can go to the allblackagenda.com. We have an all black agenda that includes things like the $5 a day investing plan where you can build wealth by investing $5 a day. Uh, we also have a, Ice Cube, a link to Ice Cube's contract of Black America. Ice Cube, another solid guy who did solid work uh, with, with the contract of Black America. Uh, in case you didn't know, he actually linked up with scholars and talked to a lot of people that um, gave him good ideas. And then when he used his platform to go out, he wasn't speaking, just you know, saying, oh, I'm a rapper, therefore everybody should listen to me. Ice Cube went and he did the research. He talked to the people that knew what was going on. He wanted to talk to Dr. Claude Anderson. He consulted with him. And that's what I'm saying. If you want to live your best life, man, go do the goddamn research. You know, go talk to people that can solve the problem for you, right? Don't get caught up in, uh, in, in what is a very bad victim mentality. And the pleasure seeking ties in because when you're a victim, then all you do is you seek pleasure to numb yourself from the pain of your victimhood, right? When really you don't understand it. You're the, you're the victim, but you're also the perpetrator because you're not actually taking constructive action to get yourself out of that situation. So for those of you who get that, um, feel free to go to the allblackagenda.com. We're all about solutions. And, uh, and that's what I encourage you to do research, research, research. The answers are out there somewhere. Like there are some people who say things like, um, you know, having a baby, there's no manual on how to raise a baby. Yes, there fucking is. People have written a thousand books on how to raise a baby. Read those damn books. Go watch videos about it. You know, if, uh, well, there's no manual on how to run a relationship. Yes, there is. 
go on YouTube. There's a thousand relationship gurus who have a lot of different perspectives who can give you good information that can help you manage your situation. Why is that important? Well, because a successful person lives their life with intention. You will not be successful by accident. You will not you will not just jump out of bed and land in the middle of a million dollars. You will not just pop up and have somebody discover you and hand you the, the, the keys to the universe on the throne. When you look at people that have gone out and made millions of dollars, that, that have strong families, that are healthy, that are living a good life, it is because they intentionally sought out answers and solutions that will make their life better. They didn't just sit around doing what the rest of the world is doing, not taking accountability, feeling sorry for themselves, blaming somebody else and then thinking everything's going to work out okay. Stop doing that. That's how that that's what that that's what that might be what you call niggatry training. They're training you for niggatry by getting you to sit around and do nothing about your life. No. Go get the solutions from the people that have them and make your life better. That is my final point that I want to make with you guys. I hope this conversation was helpful to you. I know some of you might have made stupid comments in the chat. Just know you were completely ignored. So you probably are better off going over to the bullshit crowd and getting into the dumb shit because this is not what this platform is for. So God bless everybody. Have a good day. Thank you for listening. I'll see you soon. Take care. Peace. Here we are, clan the isms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who late. Now, family, we the ones who gotta delegate. Get that money in the power, never be fake. Stick to co-sign for three. What did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own. Educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees, triple ten. Three PhDs, now we on the CNN. DBTV, let's talk about negligence. Ignorance is bliss, but we can turn it to intelligence. Please, none of what you hear, half of what you see. Let's break it down here on Dr. Voice TV. Here we are.